Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com, uh, Proven, Fit Small Business, People First, uh, a whole bunch of other sites. Uh, this podcast is continuing to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals. This is really because of the people who come on the podcast to have a conversation with me, share their expertise so that all of you can do better things in your business. And today we have such a person. My guest today is Chris Field. In life, there are dreamers and there are doers. Some people, like Chris Field, are blessed to be both. He launched Mercy Project in 2010 to combat child trafficking in Ghana's fishing industry. To date, Mercy Project has rescued, rehabilitated, and reintegrated more than 100 children back into their families. Their innovative approach to end child slavery has garnered them national awards. Chris has broken multiple Guinness World Records, run dozens of marathons, organized enormous fundraisers, created viral internet campaigns, taught himself to auctioneer, and brought down walls. And Chris is also the author of Disrupting for Good. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. I love this whole subject of disruption. Um, but I do think it's interesting. So most people, when they hear the word disruption, they, they, it has a negative connotation. But you are making it something positive by you know, talking about disrupting for good. So can you talk about 
how good can come from disruption? Yeah, so I think what's interesting is that, like you said, most of us do initially bristle at the idea of, of disruption being a, a positive thing. It's like, wait, my teachers in school always told me to stop being disruptive and my my parents told me to stop causing a disruption. And And what's interesting is that some of those things that make young people pretty annoying and some of the things that made me pretty annoying when I was a kid are actually exactly what you want in entrepreneurs. And that is question the status quo, push back on boundaries, ask good questions, never be satisfied with oversimplified answers. I mean, there's all these things. And so what I started looking into was, you know, what does it look like to be someone who, who disrupts for good? And the, the, the definition of disruption or to disrupt is just to stop the normal continuance of something. And it doesn't take very long watching the news or opening a newspaper to realize there's a lot of things around us that the normal continuance is something that absolutely needs to be stopped. And so that's the call is to, to be the kind of person who, who's a disruptor for good and stopping those things. Okay, so that's really interesting because that really says that, I mean, I really like that a lot to 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 put the wheels in motion to, you know, stop something, to, to stop something that has become the norm. So what does it look like? You know, we hear all this stuff about um, you should be a disruptor in business and blah, blah, blah. And I think most people are feeling like, okay, but I just want to open my dry cleaner or I just want to have right. my right? My retail store, and I want it to do well. And retail is an area yeah. that really has been disrupted. So, so like, what do you say to someone? How, how can they see this and see that they are disrupting um, and, and that it is a good thing? I, I know it sounds like a strange question, but I'm hoping you, you follow it. Yeah, I do. So I think that there's two definitions I actually wrote for disruptor. So the first one is a disruptor is someone who dismantles accepted norms and forges unimagined futures. And the second one is that a disruptor is uncomfortable with a current truth. So they show up, take action, and persist until a new and better truth is born. And so when you ask that question, immediately the first thing I think of, somebody who wants to start a retail store, they want to have a dry cleaners, there's some truth that they're uncomfortable with that's going to cause them to go into business. Maybe they don't want to work for somebody else. They want to work for themselves. Maybe they want the flexibility, which is not going to come from a dry cleaners, at least initially, but maybe they want the flexibility of being their own boss or they want to be able to model to their kids what it looks like to take risk and to be willing to sacrifice for something you believe in. I mean, there's so many reasons someone would start a business, but if you trace those reasons back, I guarantee you there's some truth that someone's uncomfortable with, which leads them to starting a, a business. So I absolutely think that it's relevant to, to a business of any type. Now, once you get into that business, I think it, takes continuous disruption and innovation to to be a successful business so what are the truths of your industry that are uncomfortable so let let me use an example i work closely 
doing some consulting with a car dealership. And if you've ever bought a car, Diane, you know, it's <laughs> typically at the top of somebody's uh, uh, goal list of things to do in a day, right? It's a very painful, in some ways, archaic kind of process. Okay. So right. when I started consulting with this car dealership and they said, look, Chris, we want people to not hate us, right? We want people to not hate the process of buying a car. What do we need to do? I said, what's the first thing? Why do people dislike it so much? And they said, you know, it's just so high pressure. Everything, that's what people tell, you know, buying a car is high pressure. And I said, okay. So maybe the most disruptive thing you could do for your little niche in the car business make car buying fun. That's what you need to tell every employee, every manager, every person who washes cars from the second somebody steps on the car lot. What do we have to do to make car buying fun? And if you can solve that, I think the other pieces are going to fall into place. So we could go through and do this exercise with every single business. I don't know if you're familiar with Chick-fil-A, but... Chick-fil-A, what did they disrupt? They disrupted crummy customer service at fast food places, right? Yeah. Fast food places are notorious for having employees who are lackadaisical and seem uninterested in being there, okay? So Chick-fil-A created a training process that both in their hiring and in their training, the employees are engaged and they seem genuinely happy to be at work. That is disruptive in the best way possible. And I promise you, it came because somebody at Chick-fil-A long ago, when he, when he founded it, uh, True Kathy, the he was uncomfortable with the truth of fast food restaurants right. and some of the realities. And so this is applicable to every business and nonprofit and everything. This is so great. I, I really love that this way of looking at things because it offers so much opportunity to differentiate, right? To, yep. to, to be the one that stands out from all the others in your field. Absolutely. I, I think if people would think about their business in this way, what are the truths that are uncomfortable about my industry? What are the truths that are uncomfortable about my niche, my business, my town that I find that it's actually overwhelming the number of opportunities that come when we start to ask this question that it's not a matter of us deciding what we're supposed to do. It's choosing what of the many, 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 many things we could be doing and choosing and choosing those things, right? At this point in my life, it is not difficult to fill my time. The question is what to fill my time with. So I have dozens of ideas I'm sitting on every single day in addition to all the things I'm already doing. And it's because of this, this way of thinking has completely and totally changed the way I view the world. And when I see a business that's, that's doing poorly or, or a niche or a, an industry that's not well run, all I'm thinking about is how could I disrupt this in a way that leveraged for income for myself, you know, um, because it's that when you start viewing the world like that, it's overwhelming all the opportunities you see. For sure. Absolutely. Wow. 
Okay. So in your book, um, you write about like regular everyday people who yeah. are disrupting. Um, and and we, we've talked about a couple of them here, but I'm wondering if you can give us a couple other examples because I think if people can hear not – you know, I mean, we look at people like Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates and all those people, and okay, they feel like they're outliers. Right. But, I, right, I think if people can hear more of what is just, you know, everyday folk doing this kind of thing, it'll, it'll sink in stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I almost named the book Disruptors Next Door because... Oh, um, that would be great. Yeah, because I wanted people to realize that the only thing that keeps us from doing so many of these things is our own fear and our own unwillingness to take risk. And for me, Diane, my life was changed forever when my desire to do great things outgrew my fear of failure. And when I stopped being afraid to fail, or rather when I, my fear was more that I would live an insignificant life in which I didn't capitalize on my gifts. When that was stronger than my fear of failing, all of a sudden the world completely opened up in ways that I never knew possible. So let me tell you a couple stories. And then cool. if, you, if you want me to keep going, I'll do that. But for brevity, I'll, I'll just hit these briefly. And these are all covered in depth in the book. So some of my favorite stories are the nursing home in Seattle, that put a daycare inside the nursing home so that the elderly residents could interact with the young people while their parents were at work during the day. And that simple way of thinking 25 years ago when they started this place, that is so revolutionary to take a, an established sort of a, I mean, a nursing home is not just a business. It's an institution, right? I mean, it's a, and if you've been in a nursing home, you know they're not fun places to be. I mean, they're hard. They're hard. There's a certain smell. There's, a, there's just a feeling. And so to, to imagine the last nursing home you went in to be filled with laughing, joyful children with applesauce on their pockets, like, is such a beautiful uh, vision. And that was such a disruptive decision. And then there's the lady named Mama Hill who teaches for 40 years in the public school system in Los Angeles. And then instead of retiring, she starts an after-school program in her 800-square-foot house, this little two-bedroom house. Kids who are much more likely to find themselves in danger or in prison than they are graduating from high school have benefited from her vision to help this next generation. And for 56 years now, when you include her time as a public school teacher and her time uh, there with her nonprofit after school, she's been disrupting what seems like the normal progression for most kids in a neighborhood like the one she lives in. And then there was the story of a young man named Easton LaChapelle, who at 14 years old, built a prosthetic robotic arm out of Legos and fishing wire. And when he saw that the response to this from a little girl with a real prosthetic arm was so positive and he realized how much prosthetics cost, 
he actually went to building a real prosthetic arm, 14 years old, okay, when he starts this journey. He ends up building a prosthetic arm that can be 3D printed off the internet, open source for a few hundred dollars and goes on to do an internship at NASA instead of going to college uh, so that he can help NASA actually control a robotic arm for a robot they were wanting to send out into, <laughs> into space. So I mean, there's just, there's so many stories. I could go on and on and on with these. There's 15 different stories in the book exactly like this of people, some truth they were uncomfortable with. And so they, they chose to disrupt that truth and to create a new and better truth. That is so great. And I don't want you to tell me more because I do want people to read the book. Those are great examples. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I, I have some more questions for you. And one of them is going to be, I'm really curious, I want to know where it is you got the idea to stop child slavery in Ghana. So hang on to the answer, because we're going to come around to it as soon as I'm done with our sponsor break. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are our guest, Chris Field's new book, Disrupting for Good, and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. As I mentioned, today we are talking with Chris Field about Disrupting for Good. So Chris, before the sponsor break, I told you I was going to ask you, I am really curious about where, how it is you got this idea to try and put a stop to child slavery in Ghana. Yeah, so I actually read a book in 2009 that mentioned uh, child trafficking in, in Ghana, and honestly, my mind was blown. I mean, I thought I was pretty cultured and, and understood a lot of the things that were happening around the world, and I didn't even know this was a, a reality, that people, much less children, were, were still sold and, and held in slavery. And so I Googled the author's name, Alder. Asked her to go to Africa with her, and three months later, I stepped off a plane in Africa with her, and that, that first trip went out on the world's largest man-made lake in Ghana called Lake Volta, and was just heartbroken by what I saw, but also captivated by what it might look like to help solve this problem, what it might look like to help these children who had been sold into the fishing industry, kids who came from really poor families, and worked for really poor fishermen and just this vicious, vicious cycle of poverty. And so that's kind of how Mercy Project started. So I left, left my job soon and uh, 2010 started Mercy Project. And that's been my full-time job and passion ever since. It's such a great example of, you know, an everyday person being able to just, you know, go ahead and make a decision, which actually leads me to my next question. So if we have people listening who um, have identified something in their business that they feel like, you know, needs to change. How, how do they go about that? Like, can you give them some practical steps that they can follow to, you know, get that process started? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the last third of my book is what's called a disruption map, M-A-P. And that's, this is my process for anybody, anywhere, being able to disrupt for good. So first is making a commitment. And I'll go back and talk about each of these individually, Diane, if you want further. But first is make a commitment. Second is action plan. And third is persist. So that's the disruption map. So let me elaborate on that briefly for you. So the first, making a commitment, this is where we're honest with ourselves. We're comfortable. And are we willing to do what needs to be done to create a new and better truth? And that's, this is kind of the gut check, right? We, because all of us have those things comfortable. And this process of disruption, the map, if you will, make a commitment, action plan, and persist, the making a commitment is just deciding that thing that bothers us, that truth that's uncomfortable, the part of our business, frankly, that's holding us back or that we don't like, that we're actually willing to do something about it. So that's the making a commitment. Am I willing to do what needs to be done to make this part of my business better? The second part, the action plan. This is where we actually write down the executable, actionable steps that are going to be required to move from a part of our business we're uncomfortable with to something that we can be proud of. So in the example I used with you of the car dealership, they knew they wanted buying a car to be a more positive experience. What we had to talk about was what actually has to happen from the moment somebody steps on the car lot to the time they buy the car to make buying a car more fun. And, and the answer was all the action steps. And at first it was only a couple action steps and then it grew and it grew and it grew. And that's exactly what this does. It grows over time. And then the third one is honestly the most important. And that is to persist. Persist until transformation. And in all of the stories that are in my book, every single one, the people were different in race. They were different in socioeconomic status. They were different in education. They were different in passion. The one consistent thing across every story of ordinary disruptors I found was their willingness to persist. Their willingness to show up and stick around until a new truth was born. So I hope that answers your question and giving some of the folks listening uh, some insight or some kind of an impetus to help them start tackling some of these things they want to do better. Oh my gosh, it does. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, so I, I think of like major disruptors mm -hmm. and on some level there was a price that they had to pay for being a disruptor. Is that always the case? Well, here's the thing. We're always paying a price for something. So in the, in the business class I teach at Texas A&M University, I tell my students, every time you say yes, you're saying no to a thousand other things. Yeah. Are you committed that the yes you're saying is worth and more valuable than the thousand things you're saying no to. So, so yes, I think true disruption 
is always going to cost something. Now, it may not cost money, but it's going to cost time and energy and expertise. But I think the greater cost, the one I spend my life trying to avoid, is the cost of regret, of getting to a point in my life later where I look back and I think, man, if only I had dot, dot, dot. And so when I hear that little voice that says, hey, Chris, this thing shouldn't be like this. You should do something about that. I've learned to listen to that voice and to be responsive to that voice. And it hasn't steered me wrong yet. Yeah, that's so interesting because it's funny when, when I asked the question and then when you were answering it, I thought, okay, wait, there, there is such a cost to staying where you are. Absolutely. If it's not comfortable, right? Yeah. That, that sometimes that's the question you have to ask yourself. Yep, that's right. And I think when the pain of the uncomfortability becomes enough, then we'll change. The question is yeah. just, are we going to do that on our terms or are we not, right? There was a lady in my book who lost almost 300 pounds with no surgery, no pills. Just, I mean, she was walking stairs on her lunch break with her coworkers, okay? I mean, this is the, the most, the slowest way she could have ever possibly lost this weight. She lost it. And there was all these things she talked about of reasons she probably should have been motivated to lose weight, seeing a certain number on the scale, health issues, being out of breath when she tied her shoes, all these things. It was the birth of a grandchild and not being able to run around with that grandchild at the park that finally the pain became too great for her. The truth, the uncomfortableness, sorry, the uncomfortability of the truth of not being able to chase her grandchild around the park became enough that she said enough is enough. I'm gonna make a commitment I'm going to make an action plan and I'm going to persist until transformation. And that's, that's what she did. And that's what all of us, that's really, that's what I'm inviting every, every one of us to do is to, to act on those uncomfortable truths. Cause every single person listening, Diane, everyone, whether it's in their marriage, their parenting, their business, their relationships, every one of us has truths that we're uncomfortable with. There's, I would put any amount of money on the world on that fact the question is, are we uncomfortable enough that we're willing to do something about it? Do we have enough confidence on coming out the other side better, stronger than we are right now? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. It's just sometimes scary to get from point A to point B when we've never been there. Right. Is that why so many people like don't do it? Like, in, in, excuse me, intellectually, they know the reasons why they should, but they still don't take that action? Yeah, I think it's scary. I mean, I think anything that we change feels, feels frightening because it's, it's unknown and it's vulnerable and we might fail. I think we're all very much more afraid of failure than we like to admit. We're afraid of looking silly. Uh, we're afraid of people looking at us like, like we messed up. And I don't know any successful entrepreneur that hasn't failed a whole bunch of times. I mean, we've got all these great stories of Walt Disney and Dr. Seuss and um, all these, I mean, the inventors and all these guys and women who did these incredible things. 
but it's somehow we feel like that doesn't apply to us or, well, that's different because and it's, it's really not, it's more public. And uh, there's cutesy little videos talking about their failures with nice music behind them that, that make us feel like, yes, I can do it. but the truth is I'm just a regular guy that nobody knows. I've had a bunch of failures and people don't know me for those failures. They know me for the 116 kids we've rescued out of child trafficking in Africa. They know me for starting the highest rated marathon in the state of Texas. They know me because I taught myself how to auctioneer and have now raised almost a million dollars for charities through charity auctions. I mean, that's the stuff people know. They don't know all the, the junk and the, the ways I've failed. And they didn't see me driving around in my car by myself practicing my auctioneering chant after watching YouTube videos and, and stumbling on that and mumbling my words and feeling like I'd never get it. Nobody sees all that, right? Everyone sees the confetti and the ticker tape and the trophy presentation of the Super Bowl. Nobody sees those guys in rehab after surgery or in the weight room at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's, that's what we kind of forget. And, but yeah, I think that's why we don't disrupt is because we're nervous. We're scared of failing. Yeah, I just I think that is so true, and it's really interesting because listening to that, then then I think, boy, we take ourselves so seriously. Yes, and and it's not necessarily a good thing. Right, right, yeah, and I think we think other people care more about what we do yeah. than what we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like it's like somebody said to me one time. I said, I I hope I didn't wear this shirt last time I spoke to this group or last time I came to this class and they said, Chris, nobody in this room cares what shirt you wore last time you were here. Like you, yeah. you're not that important. Nobody's taking fashion advice from you. So, but, but we tend to do that, right? We all tend to do yeah. that in a thousand ways where we, we are so concerned about the opinions of others or, or, you know, something that, that it paralyzes us. And that's crazy because we, when we do that, like I said before, we're giving something up. I mean, there's a cost with status quo. There's a cost yeah. with not acting on truths that make us uncomfortable. And that's, and they're a great cost. Emotionally, there's a cost. We're not happy with ourselves. We're disappointed in ourselves. We're frustrated with ourselves. We're, we're sad. We're lonely because we don't pursue relationships. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but, but I don't need to. Well, I and I cause, and I appreciate it though because I think it is something people need to be reminded of. You know, sometimes we need to be pushed a little closer to the ledge. Yeah. So right, so so that we can really take a good look and go, okay, seriously, I, I really. Yeah. I, this is this is uncomfortable and it doesn't have to be and and I and and I, it's interesting because I look at it and I think boy anyone who starts a business I mean that's a courageous a courageous thing absolutely and a lot of people right but they don't yeah. see it that way and then they get stuck and then they're afraid to make a change which is also a courageous thing right maybe they need to remind themselves that they've been courageous courageous before that's right yeah absolutely you know? I, yeah I tell you when I fear when I feel fear one of the most important things I do is I name that fear and I name it to people who love me and support me. And I ask them to remind me of all the other times I felt fearful and was successful in spite of that fear. And 
sometimes we need those reminders that we are brave and we are courageous and we can do hard things. And that even if we happen to fail on this particular hard thing, it doesn't define us. Uh, we're the same brave, courageous, successful person that we were before the failure as we are afterwards. And I think that can be a really, you know, powerful reminder. You said something, Diane, that kind of reminded me uh, when you, when you mentioned it, uh, kind of moving closer to the ledge. I think a lot of us forget our why. I think, I think a lot of business owners, the freedom and the flexibility and the, the rush of being the boss we forget that. And all of a sudden we look around our business and we're working in the business instead of on the business. We're, we have no flexibility. We're never seeing our family. We're not around our kids. Like some of the reasons we, we said we were starting our own business. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of reasons I think this happens. I'll tell you the number one, this opens up a different can of worms. So we don't have time for a private today, but I'll just say it. I think part of the biggest reason this happens is because we move the goalposts. And what we, what we used to would have said, man, if I could just get here, I would, my life would be complete. I mean, I would have everything I needed. And then all of a sudden we get there. <coughs> Excuse me, Diane. <coughs> we get there and we say, okay, okay, that was good. But if I could just get here, then, oh, then life would be everything I wanted it to be and and we just keep pushing it pushing it pushing it and at some point we have to be honest and say I'm never going to be satisfied if I keep moving the goalposts and I need to remember why I do what I do every day why do I wake up why do I get out of bed why do I why do I go to work and if I can achieve that thing without some of this other pain that I'm bringing on myself I need to be grateful that I can achieve that that I can achieve that thing and embrace it and celebrate it instead of continuing to move the goalposts. Yep. I think that's a great point. Wow. This is so great. So, so what is, what is one thing you want people to take away from the book? So if I just got to choose one, yeah, it would be that everybody everywhere is capable of disruption. Yeah, 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 I, I, I could see that, yeah. I have, I have a five-year-old in the book, Diane, a five-year-old who started a recycling business because she came home from school after learning about recycling and her parents told her that there was no recycling business or no recycling in their neighborhood and someone would have to start a business if that was going to, to exist in their neighborhood. And the little girl said, fine, I'll start a recycling business. And over the next two years, from five to seven years old, she picked up recycling in her neighborhood every Thursday morning before school. And they took it to the local recycling center, recycled 20,000 pounds of recycling and, and charged each one of those customers and saved up enough money to pay for her first semester of college, five years old. Wow. So, so when I say anybody, anywhere can become a disruptor, <laughs> it's because I've seen five-year-olds 
who had a truth they were uncomfortable with enough that they actually had action to solve that truth and to create a new and better truth. So if a five-year-old pre-K kid can do it, I'm pretty sure anybody listening to this show has the tools they need to become a disruptor for good. Pretty much. I agree with that. And it's so great when you look at it this way, that if there's a truth you're uncomfortable with, you need to change it. It just, it's such an interesting way of looking at it. You know, it, it just feels so much more doable than feeling like disruption has to be this big, massive shift and change and almost like a volcano eruption. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's laying a brick every single day and trusting that over time there's going to be a path. Yeah, and, that's great. Yeah, and I think we lack, honestly, a lot of us, we lack the ability to show up every day. I mean, that's the number one piece of that persistence. Just show up every day. Show up every day. Remember your why and just put down another brick. Get that brick down and then come back the next day and do it again and again and again and again. And at some point, you're going to look up and you're going to look behind you and you're going to see you've got a real legitimate path that you have built day after day. You didn't need big machinery to do it. You didn't need to go get a huge loan to do it. You didn't need 19 architects and 14 engineers involved to do it. You built a path one brick at a time. And that's, that's really what this is about, showing up every day and putting down another brick. Absolutely. Wow, this, this is just so great. Would you, first of all, thank you so much for yeah, spending this time sharing this, this concept. It is really awesome. Will you tell the listeners how they can get the book, how they can get in touch with you, you know, everything they need to know, please? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is on Amazon. If they just search Disrupting for Good, Chris Field. And as you said, it's on Audible as well. So if they prefer to listen to their books, they can get it on their same way, Disrupting for Good, Chris Field. And I actually did the, did the read for that myself, which was a lot of fun. And uh, otherwise, if they want to go to meetchrisfield.com to uh, interact with me there, send me a message. Uh, I've been doing some speaking around the country and would love to come speak to any groups uh, that would maybe find it helpful uh, to kind of hear this message or to spend a day kind of working through it in their business. So those are the easiest ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. I think you guys got an awful lot out of today's podcast. I know I did. Uh, and our sponsor, uh, please remember, uh, to get your free trial and free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.